You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us once again here at NapaBroadcasting.com. We're going to spend some time here on Napa Valley College Now talking about a very unique art sale that is coming up here in just a couple of days. To talk about it, I'm joined by Fane Hancock and Rue Brugerman of the art department here at Napa Valley College. It's a one-time only sale of classroom demonstration drawings and ceramics, and all the proceeds go to benefit scholarships for art students here at Napa Valley College. Rue, start with you. Talk a little bit about what it is that's, that's going to be up for sale. Yeah, so actually, uh, Fane and I have been uh, teaching here for I think she just over a decade and myself a decade. and So you're newcomers. Yeah, kind of newcomers, <laughs> you know. And as an as a art professor, you have to, you know, produce work in front of the students so they can kind of get the groove of what they're, what they're trying to feed into. And basically, you find yourself making demonstration work. And that work often just kind of is fostered along enough to get the point across to the student. And isn't isn't necessarily really finished or all the way completed, and so each of us, um, Fane more so than I, uh, have some work. This demo work that we've amassed over the years. Um, I have a student group called the Potter's Guild, and they have a separate sale from this sale that happens each year. And often I give some of my demo work to that sale. So I have a bit left, and it's going into this sale that will be happening on Thursday the 3rd uh, in the Art Center. And basically it's work that was used during the classes and work that I produced to show students the studio art that I teach, most of it being uh, ceramics. Right. And is any of it demo work or work that's been done by the students, either in demonstrating to other students or, or demonstrating to you no it's an it's instructor work uh-huh. but done for the students right. done for the students benefit and to demonstrate the processes that we want them to key into mm-hmm. and Fane, talk a little bit about the the work that you've been involved in all right what i'm showing um this thursday is primarily drawing and in actually it was december 2001 i was hired to teach a beginning drawing class and i've been teaching drawing of some form almost every semester since then, either creative drawing, figure drawing, or beginning drawing. Um, and uh, in, like Bruce said, in each class there's always a demonstration. Here's how you draw an ellipse. Here's how you make a cast shadow. Here's how you do these certain techniques. And it's all work that I've done in front of a class to show students how to do something. So there's probably a couple of hundred drawings that I have hanging in the art building. And when did it become clear that it would be a really cool idea to take this demo work and use it for some kind of art sale with, with a positive benefit? Uh, let's see. Six years ago, I started working on the scholarship committee. We have to perform committee work here on campus as part of our contract. And it actually was the most rewarding and, and fun committee I was ever on. We got to know the students and their students' needs, and I got a, a real clear idea of, of how much need there is and how much benefit the scholarship com- committee and the scholarships provide for the students here on campus. So um, we just decided that we would get together and sell our work and have it go to a scholarship for students. Mm-hmm. And Ruth, talk a little bit about how the work has changed over the years and a little bit about how the students have changed relative to the kind of demonstration work you do. I, th- I think those are really good questions. Um, you know, to Fane's credit, this was uh, originally her idea, and 
I, I think it stemmed from the fact that she was running out of storage for her. <laughs> she really just had to. It's true. But art, art hoarding. At the same time, you know, it's funny when you when you do these demonstrations and you've been working with a material, whether it be you know drawing materials or sculpting materials or pottery materials. You know, over time, you you get such a inherent a tactile ability for these materials and suddenly you know things happen that are really really nice even within the small moment of a demonstration now in terms of demonstrations changing you know i think now it's often seems to be a little bit more difficult to get kids attention so sometimes i'll demo in a series where i'm making a set of plates or a set of bowls that all try to feel the same not necessarily look the same but a little bit of that as well, but feel the same. Or I'll demonstrate a series of, uh, for example, there are some pictures. Some of them have little defects because, again, these are just demo pieces um, that weren't initially intended to be carried all the way through. But I have a series of pictures uh, in the, the Art Center gallery right now, and I took different cuts out of them as to say that, I finish this form and many students are like, wow, the form is so pristine. And then I take a knife and I cut a piece of material out of the form. It's something that's done in fashion design a lot. It's called darting in fashion design mm -hmm. where you take a, a tube, you know, that is basically a garment and you take a cut out of it and it takes up fullness and therefore adds visual fullness in other areas. What motivates students in the art world today? Why do students take these classes today? Either one of you. Oh, um, let's see. I think um, it's, it's a funny thing. I always tell students, and I believe this myself, that you're called to be an artist. It's not an easy or comfortable life. You do it because you don't really have a choice. You can't imagine ever doing anything else. Um, we live in a culture, I think, that's not necessarily really respectful or maybe there's not much understanding of why we need art or what art does or why we're even doing this, but you have a compulsion. You have to do this. And I always tell students, don't do this if you think you can do something else because it's not particularly an easy life. You know, there's no guarantee of making a lot of money. There's not necessarily a, a ton of cultural respect for it, but you do it because you have to. And I think... Um, our students take these classes because it's what they're going to be doing anyway. They're going to be drawing all the time in their other classes. They might as well take a class where they're doing some drawing. Um, so I, I think that you do it because it's almost a compulsion. And I think there's also this inherent dis dissatisfaction with, with finished work. Um, I'm looking at the demos that are hanging up there in the gallery, and I'm saying, hey, you know, I didn't get that ellipse quite right. Um, and I think there's always this I didn't get it quite right feeling when you finish something which really takes you to the next piece, that gives, that gives you the desire to want to finish, the, to make the next one. I think if you ever felt like you got it right, you would um, not do it anymore. Is there more pressure on students today to, to not do it? I mean, there's this constant drumbeat relative to what Fane was saying, that, you know, if you're going to make a living, <clears throat> it's going to have to be, in science or technology or math or business or whatever. Sure, yeah, I, I think I think I think there is that pressure. You know, interestingly enough, I I, I just had a group of middle schoolers come through and they do a little campus visit uh, once a year or once a semester. And you know, one of the things that that I I talk about is I talk about observation and visual language. And you know, art's a funny word. There's 
artifact? What is artifact? What is craft? How to craft an art? Is artifact something that somebody made that was useful and now we call it art or do we call it artifact? But basically my conversation with these young middle schoolers and, and even in my credit classes for the college students, it starts off with talking about what is the first container that humankind made and where did we learn how to make it? And I often they sit there and look out into space and often have no answer. And then I give them the clue that I'm going to give you a clue now. And it's we learned to make these first containers from these aliens that might drop something on our head occasionally. And then somebody figures out it's a bird, and then they figure out it's a bird's nest, and then they figure out, oh, it's a basket. We learned how to make baskets from watching birds make bird's nests. And then it ties into ceramics, of course, because you have to make a really good basket to hold water. So we smear mud inside of a basket to hold water. And so suddenly they're thinking in a way that they wouldn't necessarily think in today's day and age. Mm -hmm. And I think it's refreshing to them. And then the question comes about, when's the last time one of you watched a bird for more than a minute? And there are I think many there's a, there must be a YouTube video of that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a great point. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, but but the real point is is that just that line of question and answering that I just brought up, uh-huh. there's a creative problem solving element that knowing how to draw, knowing how to see things in three dimensional spaces, having a good visual language that is very useful in all types of occupations and that students really benefit from. And it can really set a student or a possible, you know, in a possible employment opportunity can set you apart from somebody else, having that ability to creative problem solve. And often when we solve problems, we, we create a different problem. So creative problem solving is the very nature of it, coming up with so many ideas of how to solve the problem. You can often find a solution that doesn't then lead to more problems. And that kind of creative problem solving comes through mm-hmm. art practice. And does the fact that somebody like Steve Jobs came out of that world and brought those skills and that mindset to his work, does that impact any students today? Oh, oh definitely. You know, in my beginning design classes like Rue, I start off asking them, what in this classroom has been designed? And they're sitting there not wanting to say anything and then suddenly they'll begin to talk about it and they'll realize everything they're using, everything they're sitting on, every surface, everything they touch to get ready to come to school that day started with, as an idea and, and was designed by someone and they realize, well, that's a form of art and art is everywhere. And um, I always bring up to my students and let them know that Steve Jobs was originally a meditator and a calligrapher. He got the whole idea for Apple and his operating system from calligraphy. So when we're looking at letter forms and talking about typography, you know, you want to think about, well, how was this handmade? And I think it's really important to go back and, and look at how things are handmade, even when you're in a computer class. Think about that. And, and where do ideas come from? And it's okay to take some time out and study something like calligraphy because you never know where it's going to end up leading you. And with respect to the two of you and the demonstration work you're doing, now that you know that it's going to be something that's part of a sale down the road when you're doing it, does that impact what you're doing in the classroom? I don't think it can. Even at this small level, I don't think you can think about the marketplace. It's two different things. That vortex where art and money comes together is always a little strange. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I would agree with Fane. I think that 
I think that obviously, you know, really, really good, fresh art doesn't consider the marketplace. And, you know, if, if the focus is to, to get a student to really be thinking about really core concepts that can bleed across all kinds of disciplines, you know, to tap into that level, you, you can't be thinking, oh, you know, you know, how, oh, this form has got to be attractive because I want somebody to buy it, right? That's not the, that's not the key there. The key is, is, you know, tapping into that visual language or, or tap, you know, like the, like Fane bringing up that Steve Jobs was into calligraphy, you know, this idea of typography and, you know, there's something about the line of typography and how it deals with space that, you know, there, typeset and, and, and typography, it's, it's, it's really, it's, each letter is a drawing in itself. Does the marketplace ever enter into the equation in your classes and in the, in the art world that you guys are involved in? Um, students are often curious about it, and um, I usually think of it, you know, they'll always, or oftentimes <clears throat> they'll ask questions about, well, how can I make money? How can I get a show? And I, I really try to, to rein them in and, and let them know that you need to be thinking about your craft and you need to perfect what it is you're doing before you can begin to think about how to get it out there in the world. Um, and I encourage them to, to just uh, figure out a different way to make money. You know, what's the highest paying part-time job you can get to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to support the to art. Support your art life? Because generally you, you most likely will have a day job and you've got to figure out how you can have a day job um, in order to make the kind of art that you want to make that's not going to be influenced by those thoughts of will it sell? Mm-hmm. What are people going to buy? And Rue, what do you tell the students that bring that up? Well, you know, <laughs> I think... I I, th- I think you know Fain is correct. You know, at, at the same time, I, I I you know each of us we, you know, art practice is it's it's about this rhythm. And and Fain touched on this earlier when 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 she said that you know, sometimes it's not always about finishing something or because it's hard to know when something's done. It's it's about knowing that you need to start again and move forward. And so each of us and throughout all of our curriculum. Um, here at, at the school in, in Napa Valley College in the, in the visual arts program, we have critique. And critique is basically, it's, a lot of students see it as like reckoning day, right? Where you're going to sit down and kind of judge what, what you've come up with. And, and the real point of critique is it's a marker. And it's not a marketplace, but it is kind of a marker. And it's a, a time to reflect on what you've done sometimes take it out of the studio environment maybe put it in the little gallery when it's open so we can hang things and look at things and actually really see them in their own light away from everybody else's work potentially individually talk about the successes of a piece talk about perceived deficiencies and how they can become better and at that point you know one can see how something can be desirable how something might have worth and, and that's a place where that kind of testing kind of happens. And then it's not an end. It's a, it's a perpetual kind of beginning, that idea of mm-hmm. critique. Okay, we've learned that. Now what do we do? Has technology played a part or changed anything in what you guys do, Fane? Uh, technology, uh, I think, well, our studio classes generally last three hours per session. And I don't let my students use their cell phones unless we need it for research or they need to take a picture of something. And at the beginning of the semester, usually it's it's like, I can't put this in my pocket for three whole hours. <laughs> oh, I can't be away from my little friend, my precious, for three whole hours. And uh, I think for a lot of them, it's a struggle to um, leave the technology put away for a while. 
And um, I think maybe that's the, the big change is for them to, to just bag it for a little bit. And then, you know, by the end of the semester, I usually tell them when they start their final project, they can start listening to their music and using their personal devices. And then by that time, they actually make, have made friends. They want to talk to each other. And nobody does it, even though they hmm. can at that point. So we're, at the, we're now two weeks out till the end of the semester, and they can use their, their iPods if they want to, but they don't because they're used to working without it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for them to, to take a break, and that's what I have them do in my classes. And, Rue, is technology involved at all in, in the making of the pottery? I mean, has technology made something easier, more difficult, more interesting in yeah, some I mean, ways? It's, it's funny. I mean, technically, by definition, ceramics was like the first synthetic on the planet because you're actually taking a material, clay, raw clay, and you're human intention is firing it and it changes it at a molecular level right so inherently there's a technology there and you know this is something i talk with my students about all the time and you know in design there's new computer programs and in digital art there's right. all kinds of things that we need to keep up with and they all have their phones as, as fane said and you know i th i think again going back to that creative thought process and students are so in need of an escape from everything else that's out in the world like this constant bombardment of technology is i don't know that it's doing them good in terms of their ability to concentrate have clear thoughts creative problem solve and for example we talk about the concept of a bowl everybody thinks of a bowl as an object but at one point it was a concept. Somebody conceptualized this idea that you'd have a concave thing that would hold material and be able to move it around. You could put a phone in it. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you could put a phone in the bowl, right. Yeah, so, so a lot of times just looking at something in its simplest term, you know, in the end, in the end, if you look at like, what are they, apps? Apps, right? The apps that make it or the, the new kinds of, you know, websites or products, right? It's about there's a simplicity to those things that actually come through and make it. And if students can tap into that way of thinking, that's going to help them. It's more of the same. I think as a college here, we need to be, we need to be sensitive to offer not necessarily an entirely different way of doing things, but we need to be sensitive to continue to, to have a breadth of offering that, that offers alternatives to what mainstream is doing. Great. Exactly. And, you know, it's important when there is so much technology and it is so easy to have things happen so quickly, there is value in the handmade and the tactile. I don't think we pay enough attention to how much learning takes place when you're looking at something and you're touching something. And that's, um, I think, what our programs offer that maybe they don't get from maybe, you know, something else where they're listening and writing. Mm -hmm. So, so they could use then use their phones and put them up on Etsy, right? There <laughs> you go. Something like that. I think there's a... There's there's an importance in taking time to do something and look at something and really learn to see, as Ruth said. Great. Fane, tell us about the sale one more time, all the details sure. about where it is, when right. it is, everything else. It is tomorrow, which will be December 3rd, and it's – no, not tomorrow. It's Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday yeah. December 3rd, 4 to 7 in Building 3700, which is the Visual Arts Center. If you're using GPS, it's the intersection of Streblo and Roy Patrick Drive. Uh, we're the two-story khaki-color building on the most south end of the far south end of campus. We are right behind or west of the um, winery, the viticulture right. program, the vineyards. Great.
and yeah, come to the sale. All the money, every every single penny, will go into a scholarship that we set up that'll go to an art student in the spring semester. And the criteria we set up for the uh, art scholarship is that the money will go directly to the student, which is a little bit different sometimes from other scholarships that go to the institution for books and tuition. This is cash that the student can put in their pocket and take away. Um, I think it's important to remember our students have a lot of expenses besides books and tuition. They have living expenses, and if they're transferring, they'll need moving expenses. So they'll get the money, the cash and carry. Terrific. And it's from 4 to 7 p.m. We 4 should to add. 7 p.m. There'll be snacks. There'll be <coughs> grown-up beverages. So we encourage everybody to come by for some holiday cheer and uh, to buy some original art. Everything's going to be very reasonably priced also. The works on paper will be 20 25 and $30, depending on size. And Rue's works will be, I know, under $50, right? Yeah. Yeah, again, you know, it's a, it's a demo art sale. So, you know, be ready to hang out and have some fun. And, you know, Fane and I will be more than happy to talk about what processes we were trying to kind of share with the students while we were making the work. And, uh, you know, might just walk away with something that might be meaningful to you. That's right. Affordable work supports students. Yeah. Rue Brugerman, Fane Hancock, thank you both so much for coming in. All right. Thank you. Thanks Appreciate it. NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.